Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I want to say, uh, first off, I want to you know, say, say your prayers for the people in Boston. Also, say your prayers for the people in uh, Iran, because they had a really big uh, earthquake, a 7.4. So, yeah, it's sending good hopes to people and good thoughts. And I got to tell you what's weird is that when, when something like this happens, whenever there's like a, a big tragedy... It freaks you out, but then I was sitting there this morning. And I kept hearing, you know, sirens. Like it's because it's Burbank, and there's, I live right between two old people's homes, so there's always ambulances going. But you automatically think I'm like I'm sitting there watching ESPN Sports Center, and I'm like, wait a second, there's sirens. So I flipped Channel 11 to see if there's like something happened in Burbank, but it didn't. So that's all I'm gonna say. But it's funny because my guest today, I was worried at first. I was like, I was like, I don't know if he's gonna come out because. Uh, because I don't know if he he's, was going to go back to Boston, but he's from Boston. My, my guess is Bruce Fine. How you doing, Bruce? Good morning, Steve. So we were talking off air now. It's, it's morning for comedians. Even yeah, right. exactly. And it's actually the show airs tomorrow at 5. So they're going, man, these, guys, these guys really get up late. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're saying you, you, your family's back there, right? It's great to be here, and it is bittersweet to talk about my Boston um, roots and where I came from. Uh, from, a, from a life perspective, I grew up. In Framingham, 20 miles west okay. of Boston. I grew up going to the marathons as a kid, as an eight-year-old that was, you know, blown up yesterday for no reason. That, you know, people watch the news and then we go on with our lives. But, you know, someone's going to have a funeral tomorrow and yeah. bury, bury their eight-year-old that, that they went to the marathon with on Monday. Yeah, and his daughter lost her leg and his wife's sick. I mean, his wife was kill, not killed, but she's injured. And you think, and that's what sucks is it, not that they're too heavy, but all that guy wanted to do was run the marathon, you know, and, and that's an accomplishment. And it's like, then you see that and you're like, what the hell? People uh, trained uh, for this day for years, and the people that go, that's their holiday. I don't know if the people across the country and your listeners understand that it's a holiday. It's People don't go to work on Patriots it's, Day. Yeah, Patriots Day. It's called Patriots Day, and the tradition is there's always a morning Red Sox game at right. 11 a.m., which I'm sure they love. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, up at 8 tomorrow. Yeah. First pitch at 10.55. <laughs> um, it's an 11 o'clock Red Sox game. Uh, about 9 or 10, I forget what time the marathon goes off, gun goes off, and they leave Hopkinton, and they finish in Boston. There's a thing called Heartbreak Hill, Okay. more irony, um, that the Boston Marathon is known for. And then there's the finish line where it's all day because then you know there's always the guy from kenya and the woman from sweden and then there's everybody else right right so <laughs> right? that's true right so um <clears throat> uh, i don't even know i mean obviously it's second beyond second page news of who won the marathon right. and all that and that's sad too for the people that <clears throat> work uh their life uh tra- train and, and and are so passionate for so long and then they go and it, it's not even a story the fact that these people did what they did it could have been a world record and wouldn't have mattered right. obviously when something like this happens um and so you, here you have families kids out of school everyone's happy it's like the happiest time i remember going with a pitcher of water and oranges and i would cut up the oranges at home first and i'd have little bags of oranges okay. and i would run alongside the runners i would as an eight-year-old i would run alongside the runners and hand them oranges so they could grab the orange and just you know, squeeze some in their mouth, get some some orange, and keep running, and not miss it. And I would run with the water as they're running, so they could just. Shh, shh. Some, cool. some guys would just say, "Throw it at me," you know, and I just throw water on them, and and I was like, it made you feel like you were part of their race. You're but part yeah, of yeah, that's that's you know, that's great. That's, it was well, a great that's, tradition. That's the thing about sports, and I, I just uh, you're a, you're a big boss. No, okay, I, 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 I guess you're talking. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be up I'm gonna be up front with you. Okay. 
are you a good Boston fan or are you an myopic Boston fan? Because so many Boston fans, Philly, fan, Philly fans are idiots. I'm, I mean, I love, we have some stupid meatheads. Dallas Cowboys are all idiot fans because when you sit there and go, yeah, well, you guys aren't that good. When's this for me win the Super Bowl? It doesn't make a difference. Your team sucks, our team doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I know some Boston fans who, it's like when you I watch it with them, like the Patriots, they, and the Patriots are great, but they look like they're watching a different game. Like, oh, it's not pass interference. It's like it's, it wasn't even close. Are you are you subjective when you watch? Uh, well, pa- New England fans are very passionate, and uh, passion makes you emotional, and emotional is not always rational. That's with with love and with sports. Okay, um, you've never met a fan like me. I know you've met a lot of comedians and sports fans. You've never met a fan like me. I don't know if you know this about me, Steve, but in 2003 when Aaron Boone hit the home run off of Wakefield right. and the Yankees beat the Red Sox yet again, Lucy pulled the football from Charlie Brown right. yet again, I needed to make a difference. And I I knew when they got Keith Folk and Kurt Schilling that that was what was missing. That's what could put them over the top. And I thought that even though they hadn't won in 86 years, that they were definitely going to win the World Series. And I came up with a slogan to inspire the fan base and end the curse of the Bambino once and for all, from cursed to first. That was was you? I wrote a song. I trademarked it. I started a website. I had fans wearing from cursed to first. I was at opening day with bumper stickers that were all over New England. I was interviewed on ESPN. I tried to make a deal with the licensing companies. They said, listen, buddy, you haven't won in 86 years. If you make it to the playoffs, maybe we'll talk about a deal. So I'm in... I'm in the, uh, I'm in through the season, and I'm uh, I'm stuck about twenty five grand. Okay. But I know that if Red Sox get in the playoffs, I can get some sort of deal. I got a shot, not only for my team and my heart, but maybe get some of that money back. Oh yeah. So uh, Red Sox go into the series against the Yankees. And by the way, um, I had a song call from Curse to First that I sent to sports radio stations, and they started playing it over the summer. And uh, Sports Center in August. I, I turn on Sports Center like everybody else, and John Anderson opens up the broadcast quoting my song. Okay, that's cool. That's I'm a Red awesome. Sox fan, and so is my dad. We believe every year only to end up sad. Boom. And I was like, what the? So this guy at ESPN was a Red Sox fan. He was playing the song in the newsroom. Those guys were annoyed by it, and they said, well, <laughs> one guy said, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll quote this song until the Red Sox lose. And they went on a 22-game winning streak. So every ah. night, Sports Center is quoting. It was crazy. It was just a weird, crazy time. Um, all of a sudden, fans started really joining the site. People started to believe in it. And when they went into the playoffs, they went down 3-0 against the Yankees. And then everyone piled on. You know, ah, oh, what a joke. Right. Ghost to first. Yeah. All the Yankee fans were hitting the site. Even Red Sox fans were like, man, I'm going to burn this shirt. You know? So um, I... Uh, I, I was in bed for, I don't know, 30 hours without food <laughs> after game three. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was I was emotionally beat. Right. I was financially beat. It was a tough combination. And, uh, and then it happened. Right. The most unbelievable comeback of all time. Just improbable, unbelievable. I don't know if people remember, but. You know, going into the ninth inning, they were losing. Right. Against yeah. Mariano Rivera. Exactly. You know? Who and doesn't, doesn't, right. yeah, it's like lights out. Dave Ro- Dave Roberts steals second base. If he's out, season over, game over, curse continues, life over for Red Sox fans. We've never had a keystone base in the history of the Red Sox. You know, then Billy Miller gets a hit. And then the next night, Big Poppy gets a huge, I mean, it, we went into game, 
Game Six, and we still had to win in Yankee Stadium to force even a Game Seven. Right, right. Game Six was Schilling with one foot, the bloody sock game, which yeah. was unbelievable. I mean, it was just this, this. No movie has had this much drama. No sports movie. And um, then, of course, Game Seven, we, we throw in Derek Lowe, who wasn't even on the playoff roster when the playoffs started. That's how bad he was. And um, we have a guy named Curtis Lestanek. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Cur- big ball right. fan. Yeah. He, he retired after that. <clears throat> he came in on a game five or six situation with the bases loaded, no outs, and got out of that inning. I mean, there was just, everyone was a hero. Everyone did something, you know? And, uh, and it was the idiots. You know, it was Kevin Millar and Donnie Damon with the long hair when he was, when he was JC. And it was crazy. And, and they won. They beat the Yankees in game seven. It's just unbelievable. And I had a deal. No, did you did, did you definitely have a deal? If, so here's what happened. Right before the playoffs started, Red Sox get in the playoffs, and I'm saying, hey, let's do this, let's do this. They said, you know what, we're going to do this. If the Red Sox win the World Series, we will make from curse to first shirts with the official logo and everything. Wait, who said that? And pay, uh, Majestic. Okay. Majestic is the... Right, yeah. yeah. They make everything. So uh, it's the mafia. You're either in business with Majestic or you're not, you know. So I, I took a deal that was like a, you know, decent deal. I couldn't refuse, of course. But... I said, what about the run, the playoff run from curse to first? You know, you could do this in division playoffs. And then and the ALCS, come on. You know, there's, there's money there. Right, right, now, right. You know, these guys only understand money. You know, they don't care about it. Like, there's money in the run. Like, nope, nope, not interested. Not interested. If they win, we'll do from curse. So they go into the Yankees series. They're down 3-0. I'm dead because if they don't win and go to the World Series and then win the World Series, I, I don't get right. So they go to the World Series. They sweep. They make it easy. <laughs> 4-0. And they make the shirts. I get the twenty-five grand back That's in royalties. I, I, I sold some bumper stickers. I have the story for the rest of my life. That's awesome. I have the, uh, the website stuff, and I have photos of me and John Henry at the World Series. I have the newspaper the next day in Boston from curse to first. You know, okay, I started awesome. all that. I, I, I thought of it, put it out there in the universe, and it happened. And everything that I said in the song in April, the song I released on opening day, happened. That's awesome. In October, I said that that Timlin and I said that Timlin and Low would be tougher than the Pats in the snow. I said in the song and on the website that the Red Sox, in order to exercise the demons, would have to beat the Yankees, would have to beat the Cardinals or Cubs, because that's who they kept losing to. In '46, we okay. lost to the Cardinals. In '67, we lost to the Cardinals. I'm sorry, not the Cardinals. Cubs. The Cardinals are the. Um, I said we have to beat the Yankees and the Cardinals to go through, to make this work. And that's that's insane. Forty six, sixty seven, right? And then, um, and of course, you have to go through the Yankees to to get there. So it was, it was everything that I said will happen happened. See, that's awesome. That's fun. cool. That's a cool story too. That's it's just, it's weird, you know. You get that idea, like me, I could put cell bumper stickers for the Eagles. We're not going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's, and, and that's a given. They'll go. Oh, the Eagles won't. The Eagles won't soar. Exactly. We exactly. That would work in Philly because oh, I just love the pessimism. Yeah, no, so now, when you were a kid. Where you're, we're going to talk about comedy, your sure. comedy career. Sure. No, because I, I, my show goes all over the place. But no, I was wondering because you have a creative background. I don't know if you played music because you did the song. But when you were a mm-hmm. kid, did you want, know you wanted to do comedy or did you love comedy? Or And you're, then people, if you don't know, he does a show called The uh, no, the Laugh Pack. The Laugh Pack. Yeah. And it's, it's very, you have Rat Pack esque. Yeah, so. Because we have the music. Did, did you grow up era? watching the Rat Pack or just like, or it's good like influencing it? It's a good question. I actually, I, I was always into entertainment. Okay. Entertainment was something not just that I wanted to watch like everybody. Else. I wanted to be part of it. Okay. I wanted to be in the business from a young age. I uh, I remember the first thing I did. I put on a magic show with a friend. 
I think I was probably six. six See that? You commented. Jimmy Schubert was a magician, too. Well, it, no it, fact. It, you got to get in front of people. I had a magic set, but I sucked. You had the set? Oh, I sucked. Like, was it the one that? where you put the ball in the, and it's the guy <laughs> with the hands, and it was like, I was so, I, I got that, and I got like a chemistry set. I didn't use either of them. Um, me, me and my friend Mike Carey, we uh, got a book, learned a couple tricks. We put it on in my garage. We okay. sold tickets for a dollar, uh, maybe 50 cents back then. It was 70s, you know. And um, that was first, and then I, I started to get interested in comedy. I had uh, George Carlin's AM and FM, and I had Richard Pryor live in Sunset Strip, and I had, I had uh, a Here and Now, which one was from the early days. The Here and, and I, Now. Yeah, that's the one. And I had those, and I would listen to the albums downstairs in my basement, and then my mother overheard it and she said and she she uh she, she took it away but i found out where she hit it and i took it and i hit it all right um <clears throat> and uh and then even in college now you so went to boston now you know yeah i went to boston university right. yeah I, it wasn't a scholarship but i was a wrestler a division one wrestler they didn't have we didn't have scholarships for wrestling you know what's funny about wrestlers i'm gonna tell you man we used to hate in gym class when we'd have to play basketball against the wrestlers because they'd always guard you like they were taking you down like they'd be right on you and you're like dude you're fouling me and they'd be like they'd be, they'd be like this and you're like no you can't do that and they couldn't you know how that wrestling stance yeah yeah and they're like yeah. on you and you're like Wrong get sport. off me get off me so okay so i was a basketball player and i was really good um you know five foot one uh, arguably the best five foot one basketball player that, with white skin that you've ever seen. I was the MVP of all the leagues. You know, at 11, 12, 13. MVP. I have MVP trophies. Were you were you short in a five foot one then? Yeah, but I. I, but I, I mean, that's that's like normal, like some yeah. other kid sizes. He, uh, I wish Sully was here because he could vouch for him. We used to. I used to play with Damon Wayans and the NBA D League guys. I mean, okay. I could play. Um, I, and and what happened in high school is I was on the bench. My my high school coach like somebody better than me as the point guard and I was on the bench a lot riding the pine and the wrestling coach came through sophomore year and he's like hey fine he goes uh he goes How you, how's that pine how's that pine listen I need a 114 pounder you come out you'll be you'll be varsity you'll be starting and uh, I ignored him a couple times and then uh, one time my coach was being a dick right and uh and this guy came around. And he's like, "Hey, fine. You gonna spend the spend the uh, year on the bench for this jerk, or you want to uh, come check out wrestling?" I said, "I'll be there on Monday." Went in. It, it was sophomore year season already started, so I missed all freshman year. Missed all. You never wrestled training, before. Never wrestled before. Uh, loved it immediately. I uh, had talent at it. Um, I started really getting into it and reading up on the sport, and I ended up uh, varsity. You know, I was like three and seven sophomore year, but in the off season. I started training, going to camps, doing. But yeah. still starting three and seven is still good when you've never. Done I never it. did before. Uh, but and you're I, younger I, than I these other guys, you know. I, I had to. I had to. Yeah, I had to learn learn everything. And then uh, junior year, uh, I started to get good. And then senior year, uh, right before senior year started, I was freestyle state champion, and I went to the uh, the nationals in Iowa. Okay. With, with a bunch of guys on a bus, that was a great trip. And uh, um, and then senior year in high school, I was uh, the sectional champion. And I took fifth in the states. Lost to, uh, lost to, uh, to a guy that won the state championship. But uh, I trained my brother, who's 11. After that, and all the 11 year olds, there was no wrestling program for uh, anyone before high school. So I started a program with my coach. Cause I said I got a late start, and I lost. You know, I lost by one point to the state right. champion. I lost by two points to the New England champion. I go, we need to improve this program. So I, my legacy in my hometown is, I actually started the program. With I went to the middle school with the coach, did after school wrestling for the kids, and now the program is completely dominant. From ten years ago till now, completely dominant. Uh, my brother, my little brother, 
won the state championship in 33 seconds, uh, broke all my records. Um, the, the team became great. It was a great, fun time. Uh, you know, all you do as a boy in Massachusetts is play sports and watch sports. Well, Everything else is secondary. You know, I try to explain to the people, and I know how, and especially out here, especially kids are different now. But I mean, for us growing up, it was in the summer. And we grew up, you know, I grew up, we all grew up in a neighborhood with a bunch of kids, you know, typical suburbs. In the summer, your parents would open the door, you'd go, and you'd play baseball. And if you were a short one kid, you'd close off right field. We did that. And then in the winter, you'd go over to the lake and play ice hockey. Or when the snow drifts up high, you could jump off and dunk. And then you play football. And that's all we Every did. day. Every, Every day, day after and was, school. And you played in the, summer, in the yep. seasons. Like, you know, basketball, if you got a gym inside. And it's not, it's different now. I lived on a circle. Oh, okay. So we had kickball and ba- we had the circle. It was that was. So you're lucky. We always had cement, the, we had to move the uh, street hockey nets when cars we, came down the street. And we're like, circle God damn, great. Can we play no. the circle, please. Yeah, we it's barely. Like, we only had to move. It was the four houses that there. Right. And then the guys down the street, the Taiwanese boys, the Wong, the Wong brothers, uh, they not only two great things about them. They had a big backyard with a fence, just that fence that was like, you know, it was like the two post, right, and the po- and going across. Yeah, that was the home run fence. So See. we could hit it over the fence for a home run. And they, their father owned a Chinese restaurant in so. town, so their birthday parties were Chinese food. Oh, you can't beat that. <laughs> well, we, it's funny. We used to meet my great. friend Mark Esposito, who I, actually I, I know, I've known since uh, six years old. We used to play across from his house. It was called McNaughton's Nursery, but it was like the open field wasn't theirs but then there's a fence where the nursery went so we end up Hi, bending up the fence but we would play wiffle ball and if you hit it over the fence was oh, right. it was, and, and you didn't run bases you just you hadn't marked mm. it off you know so now you're in college yeah, I'm wrestling in college and 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 here's the term now, you, got, you got is that the reason why <clears throat> you picked your college was it a good school or they offered you money or do <clears throat> you know I got offered a full scholarship full wrestling scholarship to WPI and, was that and my father just reminded me about this when I was actually home for Passover two weeks ago. Uh, I turned down a full scholarship to WPI because it was a, it was a technical school. I didn't want to go to technical. Where school. was it at? Worcester, Worcester Polytechnic. I have I have cousins WPI. from Grafton. Oh, it's close by. Okay, absolutely. I went to BU. <clears throat> my dad had to pay, um, <clears throat> and uh, he had just won. My dad, when I was senior in high school, um, won the first ever national. Craps tournament in Atlantic City, and he won eighty thousand dollars cash wow. in 1983, 84. You know, it's funny. I went, Atlantic to, City I went was to, just open. I went to college on that money. I went to Boston University on a dice scholarship. <laughs> That's good. I asked this college, Stockton. This is my. It was ten minutes from Atlantic City. That's where I graduated from. Wow, yeah. wow. That's when AC was beautiful. Uh, no, AC. No, you know, AC. You know when AC was beautiful. Springsteen. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I love Springsteen. But uh, AC was beautiful. When I was a kid, we used to go down to the boardwalk. And I remember there was this ride called the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, if you look at it now, it's probably like, it's like the crappiest. Right. Like it's, it's, about, scary. it's about as scary as the, the, the swings. The carnival, at, at, the carnivals at, at, at the, they set up in the parking lot yeah, in the summer. Yeah, it would go up <clears> and then it would hit this door and you're going to be dark. And that's what we went. But then even then, Atlanta just started getting gross. It was just oh, awful. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, on that, on that point, Steve, I remember uh, in the 80s being uh, in the elevator um, it, going to like so you see like Smokey Robinson with my dad, and that's I want to answer your question about early, early entertainment influence. My dad took us to Atlantic City to see Eddie Murphy. We took us to Atlantic City to see Smokey Robinson. Okay. Took us to Las Vegas to see Frank Sinatra. That's cool. With Alan King opening when I was a kid, so he was like that was one of the things he he you know his influence was amazing. Um, 
exposing me to, to right. this kind of show business, you know. But uh, <clears throat> when I was in Lake City going up the elevator, you know, you go see a show, you go through this beautiful showroom, you go into a restaurant and eat, and eat this beautiful, you know, gorgeous restaurant with like gold thing, you know, Donald Trump's hotel, uh, you know, how he goes. And then you're in the elevator and you look outside and you see... You see the crack alleys. Oh, yeah, it's from it's, the elevator. It's sad. It's, it, it was, it's 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 a hundred yards away, or less. Yeah, no one would go on the boardwalk because right. they have uh, they call them dog packs. This guy was just running. They just come up and they just take grab what they, whatever. They want. Just grab. And yeah. you, what are you gonna do? There's right. fifteen of them. Are you gonna? Oh, right. yeah, okay, come back. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was scary. Uh, it, very close to each other. That was a the 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 difference. It's almost like. The way the country is now, the difference in wealth is was ridiculous, and it was so close together, and it was it was dangerous. Yeah, like you said. So, uh, so, so you were rest, Boston University. Go to Boston freshman year. Uh, I check out the acting scene in Boston, and I find out that uh, Spencer for Hire was shooting mm. in Boston. The Robert, show, Robert, Robert the York. Late, late Robert York. Robert York with Avery Brooks as Hawk. So uh, I read the books in high school, and I made they made a TV show. I didn't even know that. I didn't, I didn't even know that. I didn't know it was based on. Yeah, something. based on Robert B. Parker's books. Okay. He had, he had uh, about about two dozen. Uh, Spencer for Hire stories and um, I used to read them in paper, paperback in high school and then here I am at Boston University and uh, it's a TV show the shooting so I signed up for extra work and it was a very different time for extra work and uh, explain why well you know now when you come to LA there's extras are a separate class so they have food for the actors and and rooms for the actors and then there's the area over here this is your chips and salsa don't touch the okay. The, the actors. This is your holding area. These little folding chairs, five chairs for fifteen people. Okay, okay. So it's just you're treated like a second class is, and at best, in Boston, it was the only TV show. It was the only production. Everyone was treated the same. The extra actors were treated like the guest star actors. So I sat and had lunch with Robert Yurk and Avery Brooks. See, that's cool. As an extra. All the time, and they got to know me. Hey, Bruce, it was crazy, and it was so. It was you know we would shoot at Fenway Park. <laughs> you know, we would been, shoot yeah. at Lexington Concord Battle. You know, it was a lot of fun. So that was like my getting my acting chops and just watching the set and learned, learned a lot. You know, being on the set, you'd be on the set for uh, you know. I'd skip class to, to work, of course. Yeah, it's college. Yeah, come on, man. As long as you buy the highlight of book. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, from the bookstore, use yeah. the button, and you, you're 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 get good to go. Notes. I never went to class. I, I, I one time did a paper. We had six books. I didn't read any of them. Yeah. And I got an A, and I wrote my whole thing was because the guy talked about Miami Vice once in class, this communications thing, and I wrote a whole term paper about how Miami Vice transcended the music and the fashion scene, and it was awesome. all True. this crap, but I got an A, and I was like, after I was like that's pretty passion. good. I was like, all right, you know? <laughs> good old college. And then, and then I started uh, entering these lip sync contests and different things. We talked about that on the first show. My first time on stage, I, was, I did a Rick Springfield air guitar in the Mr. Stockton, before people were even doing an air guitar, and I had a, my buddy's actual guitar with Sessions Springfield on the thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got it in Atlantic City News because the college came and it was it was awesome. Great. It was crazy. When I had pics with my name written on it, Cooper. And I was throwing the pics to people. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. And Boston University uh, was the first time that I actually did real stand up. And how it happened was weird. Um, and it ties into new wave entertainment. It's, this is how crazy it is. This is Barry my, Katz. Yes. Yeah, because he was a guest. When, well, Asian, Barry, he was he was okay. The whole Boston scene was just different back then. It was very different. Um, what happened with me was I, I was a fan of the Boston comics, and, and they would do shows at the clubs. But Who were some of the comics but, but then? This is what happened. They started a lunchtime comedy series. So you okay. go to the student union during the day, and, it, and it, at 1 o'clock, 
there'd be uh, a, a comic. And it, it was like going on for like uh, six weeks in a row. And it was Chance Langton. I remember that name. It was Earl Reed, Dana Gould as a young, you know, young Dana Gould, obviously. Um, uh, Don Gavin, yes, those guys, maybe Lenny Clark. And the producer of these comedy series was a 25-year-old kid named Barry Katz. Okay. So... Uh, the union, uh, student union was packed, and uh, at the time, We Are the World, the music video, just came out. And me and my friends would be in the dorm room and watching that video, and we started, you know, getting into the song. It had just come out like a week ago. Right. And there's this comedy show. It was the biggest thing, because that's when MTV was a big deal, you know, and people would actually watch music videos. And I, I was there with my wrestler friends. And Chance Langton was the comic, and he was playing his, his guitar and doing songs. He said, any request? And I heckled, heckled him. I said, yeah, play We Are The World. And everyone laughed, and he goes, I'll play it if you come up here and sing it. And then my friends literally pushed me. They pushed my chair oh, like funny. 30 feet up to the stage. And I got up on stage, completely spontaneous, and he just started playing. And I said, you know, uh, uh, he goes, I don't know how it goes. And I just started doing Springsteen and Stevie Wonder. And I don't even remember. I mean, it was, it was just random. And Did you? The place goes nuts. Stand an ovation. And this guy comes up to me. And he says, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Would you like to come to the comedy club? How old are you? I said, I'm 20. He goes, okay, you can't drink. But I was 19, actually. And he said, uh, but uh, I'll buy you a couple Cokes. You can come. And uh, when Chance performs the comedy club, I want you to come up and do this. This is great. It was Barry Katz. Okay. And I went up there. I did it twice. I played against Sam's and Stitches and had a couple free Cokes. Now, did you always do voices like as a kid, like the singing? I mean, because you no, said. No, it was like, I, it was spr- like. I was a Springsteen fan, so huge, huge. you know. So we all will. see. I you know it's so funny. I this is no lie. This year, I've seen him whenever he's in L.A. But then it was um, it was, he was in Anaheim, and now I've been a Springsteen fan all my life, and I've never because I've never seen him in like December. I've never seen him do Santa Claus is coming to town, and I said I gotta go. So I get my buddies. They already have tickets. So I got. I'll take the train down and meet you guys. So I'm sitting there. I'm sitting next to them. I don't. My seat's like the crappiest seat. I never bought a matter. concert ticket myself. I don't care though. Doesn't matter. And I'm sitting there, and finally, like halfway through, because people were always late, the lady threw me out because she, she took play, and I was so mad. So I had to go all the way to my seats. But I saw Santa Claus coming to town, so that made me that made my day. So we made a deal. I told Clarence I won't buy him no presents, and he doesn't have to buy me no presents. So you always did, so did you start doing them in college, the voices, or I mean, when, or did you just was listening to this video? And, and like, I wasn't like a real big voice guy, but uh, singers. I used to like to sing and impersonate singers, and uh, um, even the Laugh Pack. I sing Billy Joel songs with the girls. I do a duet. I, I saw you have a thing on post it, on Facebook. I didn't see it, but it's, it's a video clip. It's, it's a clip singing. of um, I did Fire, okay. Springsteen's Fire, which he wrote that the Prentice Sisters made a hit, but he right. does it in concert, and. Um, Run in my car. I love Springsteen. On radio. So I said that would be a great duet where the guy's singing with the girl and she's talking about it and he's talking about it the same thing. And so I did it with Sonia. I, I, I sent her the, the MP3 of the song. I said, let's duet this. And, um, and I do that sometimes, you know, just to sing for real. And people are like, oh, you can sing. I'm not a singer. Right. But I'm not horrible. But you have chops. So yeah, when you're I a can. comedian and you could, you, when you could, and I can do certain songs. See, that's like, well, that's me. Like, if I, Springsteen, I, my, Billy Joel, yeah, that's well, my that's range. My, my <laughs> friend at karaoke, so I would do Lou Reed or anything that they talk. You know, it's like, it's basically oh, you're talking because you I, I can't sing. It's yeah, like, you're doing white rapper. So now you're in Boston. 
now, did you decide now after that two nights on stage, you said, I really want to do comedy? Or how did that happen? You know what it was? I did everything on the side because it was I was in school and I was a wrestler. Okay. I was in school, I was a wrestler. And everything and, and, my, and everything after that was I would watch Letterman every night and I would go to these lip sync contests and I would write these funny songs with this guy down the hall. And uh, we, we wrote uh, stuff, you know, to entertain everybody there. So I kind of did it on a small level. I was producing and writing. Even in, in, I remember in high school, I would produce and write these little skits for English class that we would do. Okay. Those commercial parodies and stuff. So I was like always doing it. Like, and then I, I said, wow, it would be great to do this for a living. <laughs> you know? But I, in college, the turn was I ripped out my knee. I ripped out my knee. Uh, no, you know what it was? It was actually, uh, it was in here. It was a ripped groin. Oh, that's, that's a tough painful, one to man. recover from. Yeah. yeah and I kept re-ripping it. Yeah. Like you're, you're, ripped my groin. Yeah, I bumped up to 126. I got bolted up. I went to 126, and I wrestled this this guy, and I ripped my groin out, and then I had to recoup. So I started taking elective classes in senior year. I took elective classes in the uh, acting okay. um, <clears throat> acting classes at BU. So I'm in the acting classes. I'm doing all this stuff on the side, and I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I know I'm getting a business degree in three months, but this is what I want to do. So I told my parents... For spring break, I want to go to L.A. and I want to check everything out. I'll go for the master's program interview at Pepperdine and USC, but I also want to, like, you know, check out. So I met with this actor that was a friend of a friend of a friend of the family, and I loved everything we talked about. And then I went to the USC and the Pepperdine master's program, and I was just, like, I was dizzy because I was like, I don't want to do this. Right. I don't want to go to school anymore. I want to, I want to go into show business. <laughs> so I uh, told my parents, and they... Say well, it's in your. I remember my, my mother saying because I thought she was gonna say no. This is ridiculous. She's like, you know what? If it's in your blood, it's not coming out. So uh, we support you. You know, go. a month later, a month after graduating, I uh, I found out this like woman that we knew through the family had a room in her house. You know, I literally just a month after graduating with a business degree, moved out to L.A. and uh, shipped out all my stuff and started waiting tables. And my first open mic was at the comedy store. No. Three, three minutes on Monday night. Were you I, nervous? I wasn't nervous because I was an arrogant 19-year-old kid that thought he could do it. Okay. You know, um, I would be nervous about what set do I want to do? What jokes, was this joke going to work? You know, and that normal stuff. But I, I just, I understood it and I studied the game. It was like wrestling. I studied the game. I studied comics. I read books. I even took a writing class. I did every little thing. Listen, if you don't have the talent, you're not going to be funny. I know, and that's the thing. Funny. Yeah. But if, you're, uh, if you have some talent you and you do your work, work. Right. then yeah. No, because so, the reason I asked you, well, it's funny when you said you were a 19-year-old kid, because I remember like in Philly there was comics, you were like, one kid was like 16, and it was amazed you because this kid just had no fear. Like as you, as you get older, you do your act, you know, you become more, you know, it's technical, you pick up the technical mm -hmm. side. But when you're young, you don't give a crap. And it's like, and when you think the audience is going to go, well, what's this kid? He's 19. Right, right. Well, he's just, he's a college wrestler. But, you know, they don't, <laughs> exactly. they're, not, they're not sitting there going, this guy's yeah. going to, and you, you don't care. Yeah. I mean, not that you don't care, but it's like you go on stage with no fear. And I can tell you something else, because I know your previous uh, guest uh, that people will hear is Suli McCullough. I went to, uh, that first year I was out here, 1988, Writer's Strike. Uh, I went to an audition for a new Carol Burnett variety show, and I met Sully McCullough and Chris Spencer in line. That's funny. My first three months out here, six months out here, you know, anyways. And we exchanged numbers. They were at UCLA at the time. They said, yeah, we do a comedy show. Maybe we could come do it. He was talking about that, yeah. It's and, pretty and, and we used to go to the fraternities and do these shows, yeah. So uh, I became friendly with them. We're to, it's, it's 25 years later. We're, we're still well, you just came up the first show. He said, you're going, you're going to have to lunch Thursday. He yeah. said, yeah, I'm going for lunch I'm, on I Thursday. I mean, we go, we go way back. We've been through it all from the single days to the married days to, you know, all that. So, so uh, you're doing three minutes. Now, do you get, do you get the bug? You know, I, there, I always liked getting a reaction. Okay. That's why I was doing stuff my whole life. But um, once, yeah, once you do stand up in a, 
Hollywood comedy club and get a laugh it's it's uh rich scheidner talks about it it's it's uh rich i just talked to him the other day because you you do the rat pack well i have i have an idea for a comedy show Mm -hmm. and it was originally going to be it would have to go on the road though it was going to be originally it was going to be because i'm from south jersey and rich is from south jersey and but it was originally gonna be me and i don't think a guy named jay black he's uh he's from south jersey but he's like he's just named nate naka uh, oh, okay. Of the year, and he co-wrote a movie. Which, if you like the musical, like the Rat Pack stuff, he co-wrote the movie that's coming out in May tenth. Go see it, people. Called um, "How Sweet It Is." It's a musical with Paul Servino and Joe Piscopo. Very cool. So I was to him, and then my friend Joe Matarese, who went to my high school, okay, and I wanted to do it instead of uh, Jersey Boys, South Jersey Boys. Okay. For then I, I sent Rich a message the other night, and I was like, "Hey," and he's like, "I'll be up down for it." Yeah. So it's just so weird to get it happening, but it's just so funny how people, you know, when Rich has some of the best stories ever. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was actually testing out the storytelling at the Laugh Pack shows. Okay. Um, he was coming on and. And uh, he'd do a couple of jokes and he goes, yeah, and he'd tell a story. He goes, I'm just going to tell stories. And he did it. And I was like, great. Use it as a, as that people loved it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that that uh, start, uh, my, my comedy world went like this. I started doing the open mic scene and everything. And then I was working at the Valley in the L.A. Cab- Cabaret Comedy That's Club. the name of it. That was in Encino, LA right? L.A. Cabaret Comedy Club in Encino. That was my main... I, I got I got some spots there all the time, and, I, and it was a great club because you could get a 20-minute spot. You could right. get 20 minutes in L.A. So, and it was a valley. It was different. Um, and so, I mean, my little breaks, because, you, know, you, you, you know, you, you need little breaks to kind of move forward. <coughs> One thing that happened was... Uh, I won the funniest person in the Valley contest, which okay. was the big deal in 1991 because all the comics, we just did it for publicity and to get gigs and get money. And so, you know, I beat Carlos Mencia. He was second. That's wild. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he has done obviously incredible. Um, and uh, I think he's still, he's still uh, bitter that I beat him. That's right. <laughs> we joke about when, when I see him, but um, he's funny. Uh, he was there, and uh, the judges were like Gary Owen and Milton Berle. They bring in all his old, yeah. Okay, the, the, the legends. The legends. It was le- they, they would come and they would judge the finals. It's so funny when you know, and you're older, like we're a little bit older, but though we had those legends, like I had a guy named Gene Perret on who wrote for Phyllis Diller and, and oh, wow. all that, and they they were led. It's not like now; these people were yeah, legends, absolutely, and, and 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 they were just getting their approval was uh, meant a lot. You know, I think I won a thousand bucks and I, but a year of bookings. So I got like almost every weekend I was booked, uh, and those were paid spots all 30, over the country. Right here, there at the LA Cabaret. But that meant uh, that that was going to be in- income. You know, constant income. I have to you know worry about am I going to get spots there. At the same time, I um, I started emceeing at the Improv, okay. and I was getting good at it. And then people were writing their comment cards. Uh, I remember Mark Alano said to me, "Hey man, you get a lot of comments." This guy wrote, uh, this guy should be on the show. Why is he hosting it? And he goes, that's the second time I got one of those. He goes, maybe we should start giving me some spots. He's a great guy. He was, he was on here like three weeks ago. Great history. Yeah, oh, he, good, great. I mean, he's amazing. He's walking encyclopedia yeah. stand-up. Um, so, yeah, Mark actually gave me that break, and I started uh, uh, getting some spots. And um, they had the new faces at the time Okay. on, on Tuesday nights in Santa Monica. Um, you know, did the evening at the Improv and Arsenio and Star Search and all those shows that we used to do, Comic Strip Live. Got into the acting you know, my agent started getting me guest spot. So I did Married with Children and uh, and Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and then the Wayne's Brothers, and I became a writer. You need with the to. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You need to hmm. update your IMDb page because you have a. There's, you don't have anything on there. Really? I, I okay. say I don't do anything about it, so I need oh, to do. Because no, because I didn't know you. Because I'm trying to do research. King on of you. Queens on there. Or, um, uh, Real Husbands of Hollywood. I did. 
two months ago. Sully was just talking about that too. Yeah, he just did the show. Um, right? um, no, but no, did you did the Tonight Show? Didn't you? I did the Tonight Show. Now with, with Jay Leno. Leno. With Jay okay, Leno. now how was that? Was that like big time for you? Or I mean, like, you know, it like, it, uh, it was it was it was amazing and great, and then ultimately disappointing that uh, they dropped the ball and they never let me come, let me or never had me back. Like I brought additional sets and stuff and you know it's a political game and uh i just couldn't get through the politics obviously there was an issue with jay even having uh a lot of comics on which he didn't um it was sort of like they did the bare minimum as far as having comics on it wasn't like uh you know it wasn't it wasn't a priority um unfortunately for all comedy and uh i did i killed it i get that demo gets me corporate gigs all the time still um and uh, just upsetting that that uh, you know the guys over there and Jay and everyone they just didn't really like oh let's you know let's let this guy build a career here let's get this right. guy come back so it, it was it was disappointing ultimately because I thought hey I did it I killed it I'll be rewarded with another one and then I can do another one and then maybe someone will see that so I was you know disappointed that 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 didn't uh, turn into more even just within the Tonight Show right and I'm not alone in that a lot of people I just yeah you. you hear all the different stories now now with the uh, the acting now, <clears throat> you're doing the stand-up. Did you really want to take? Did you really want to get into acting, or were you just like? Yeah, my idol was like, Michael J. Coming, Fox. Okay, so okay, so it's coming. It's sitcom it's, acting. I loved it. I love the sitcom. So, what was your first audition? Um, uh, what first gig? First actual pay first, gig? When Married Children was your first one? Yeah, and, and, and you know, I did a joke on stage. Um, when I would come on stage, I say, "I know what you're thinking. No, I'm not Bud Bundy." Okay, and and that at the time, Married Children was the number one show on TV, and and uh, it got a laugh. And then Faustino saw it. And he thought it was funny. I, I find out that he saw it. I went to an audition. Um, they were looking for a Bud type for this uh, Field of Dreams type episode where he's building this thing in the basement. Okay. If you build it, he would come. And then Cool Bud shows up to show him what a loser he is. This cool version of him. And I got the part. Worked with Faustino. You know, worked on the show. It was a great time. And then uh, we became friends. We're still friends to this day. We're actually working on a project together. I developed this, a show that he would be amazing in and he loves the script and we're in development right now I gotta ask you something so that, that, that relationship I just realized goes back 20 years isn't that that's so he was, he was like he was a kid and that, there was another episode a couple years later you played uh, Ben Peace Ben, ben Peace that yeah. was when they made fun of the show and they, there was a show just like them on TV okay got ripped off and I was the bud and, and we had a great time with that yeah. what the hell is Biker Stud Boy oh my god that was that was my first movie Terragram I, by the way that was a hot chick that had me on a leash and I was in like little shorts. Now, and, okay. Like, now, that was like welcome to show business. Yeah, explain I shot that the audition. Long Beach. Explain the other. Like they go, okay, well here's a role. You walk in because you're going, you know, you want comedy. They wanted a little guy that was built, you know. But no, like, but it's like, like, it's like you, you finally get this big audition for a movie. It's a feature, and they go, oh, well, what's the role? Uh, biker, biker stud, stud boy. boy. Okay, well, what, what do I, do I, am I riding a bike? No, no, you're going to be on a girl's going to pull you on a leash. Yeah, <laughs> I think we pulled up on bikes, but I was on a leash. Did your uh, family like, see it? It was on like Cinemax. I don't okay, know. no, it's funny because people like it's mm. weird. Like if you're, like, if I, have, I would love to get a hold of it. I know, I know, is it? It's, yeah. on, it's right down here. It's right down here. I got, I got to get it. I, gotta, I, bet I, I will yeah. see if it's on Amazon. That'd yeah, be great. Because it. it's so funny because I was in this awful, awful movie called Killer Drag Queens on Dope, and <laughs> it sounds great. What me, me, and Mark Beltzman. I don't know if you know Mark. He's an mm-hmm. improv act, big guy, Second City guy. <laughs> And we played Tony and Anthony, two dumb things. But my friend found it. It was a Netflix. It was actually it was that blockbuster. Like, oh my god, we saw you in that movie. That's hilarious. And I'm like, oh Christ. So, so did you? Were you enjoying the I, acting? I never saw a dime, by the way, on that biker stud boy. But you know, you got it was to- called Heroin Overdose. The name Heroin 
like heroin. Okay. Heroin overdose. The movie? What's the name of the movie? Well, they changed the name to Terrorgram. That's what it says. You're right. They did change the Terrorgram. Because Harry probably. So now, did you, when you were doing the parts and you were in these big shows, were you still doing stand up? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, yeah. Even when I was a writer, I was a writer. Uh, for five years straight writing on television. I wrote for uh, the Keenan Ivory Wayne show, my first Writers Guild job in 99. Okay. Then from there, I went to the Wayne's Brothers. Um, after Wayne's Brothers, I went to my wife and kids. I went for the MTV Video Music Awards and some other little stuff. Um, I went to my wife and kids for like two and a half years. Then I got a job on the Wayne Brady show. On his variety show. Now, how did you? How did you do? Nominated the, for an Emmy for. That's yeah, that's awesome. That's how, yeah, but here you only have two listed. Doing two writing credits listed. Oh, that's crazy. And I'm like, what is this? You got to get these people. I'm, you got to get these people updated because now I would have had a lot more to work Thank on. You. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is bullcrap because I always check that thing and I'm like, and I know the rap hack we're going to get to very soon. But how did you parlay into the writing? How did that come about? Like, you know, the, did you meet the wing? Did you know the wings from doing stand up or? They saw me in the club. I was pitching. You know, back then we were we would pitch jokes. You would watch people I would say, and they come off and go, hey, man, what do you think? You know, I wrote this tag. So I was pitching jokes to some of the guys, and I think I pitched a joke to Damon, and he liked it. And then Chris Spencer, Chris Spencer was soup. Chris Spencer is like the epicenter of, of comedy because this guy, like, is such a great guy, and he's so talented. Everyone likes him, and he's a friendly guy, and he would, like, introduce people. And they, oh, this guy's funny. Go check him out. This guy's got some jokes. And, like, Chris introduced me to the Wayans. Chris showed them I could write jokes and then what happened was they started doing projects and we're like hey you know what we're gonna um, we're gonna have you come down we're gonna, we're gonna try to uh, you know punch up this script come on down okay. you know, back then you just come down you just do it you don't worry about money you don't worry about nothing and just we went down and I started pun- punching jokes and then I started getting paid under the table and then when they got TV shows, I got a job. You okay. know, that's like the definition of how it works in Hollywood. Now, it must have been different for you because I mean, I've had writers on that. It's a very, anyone who's just is used to being a comic and just doing the acting, when they yeah. actually sit, it's oh, actually a, it's five, a job. It's, it's, a, you, it's six, a job, you know? Seven, yeah. so, it, it's a different discipline. Um, it's different from your stand-up. But listen, like Brian Colley and all these great writers now that work on these shows, they still do their stand-up. And it's different from what they do for their host. Right. Like writing jokes for Keenan was completely different from what I would write for myself. Right. Uh, same with Wayne Brady, you know, writing song parodies and writing monologue material that was, you know, topical. That wasn't what I did as a stand-up. So. When did you start writing song parodies? Was the first one the Boston one, the Red Sox one, or have you always written song parodies? I, I liked it when I was younger. Um, I don't, did you see My We Didn't Start the Fire? 2010 that no. was the one that went viral in 2010 I rewrote We Didn't Start the Fire by I'll, I'll check it out I'll go, and, so you, and I can find it on YouTube right that, that way I was on you know MSNBC and okay. AOL.com and um, it, it it should have millions of hits I don't know why it only has and we've got 100,000 hits in like two months and we're still 100,000 something but um the young kids on YouTube, they don't know who Billy Joel is. Right. To begin with. See, it's so it's something for our generation. But anyways, I rewrote that. And they also did another video that you'll love. It's called Dad Teaches Sons a Rap Lesson. And I do the 40 years of rap history in about six minutes. Okay. I do, I do every rapper. Okay. And it's a, that one's more of a lip sync. Uh, but I did a parody of every artist and their videos. Now... So, and they're available at brucefine.com. Okay, well, yeah. Give you, give your, but give you will love the Billy Joel. I love Billy Joel. It's, it's all topical jokes. Okay. You know, Rihanna, Recession, Facebook, obsession, see, I mean, I mean, Yankees win, Tigers in, Kim Kardashian. Okay. I see, that's, yeah, it was, people don't know that song, and it's a great song. It was, it yeah. was such a catchy and song. So Every, many people have tried to do parodies, but I got a lot of respect from the community when I did that one. That's cool. I nailed it. I nailed it in three and a half minutes, uh, less, 3.30, and I did the video, and I... In, the vignettes, I told the story of a father 
in this day and age trying to do stuff with his kids, but they're all into electronics. Right. You know, I want to read them a book. They want to be on the iTouch. You know, I want to play basketball. They want to play the Wii. And it's and that's in there too. So we okay. shot that and we put that into the into the video while the course was going. And I used all friends and family, shot it for three hundred dollars. Nice. And, uh, that's the way to do it. Was it. Very cool. Yeah. So um, the Wayne Brady show that was more that was more um, variety. Well, we did a thing called the the weekly news review r-e-v-u-e so we would take the news stories of the week and put it into a song first wayne would choose the the uh, genre all right this week let's do disco this week let's do classic rock so then we have to get a song cleared so we'd say we're gonna do the news to classic rock and uh this we got uh, all right now by free cleared and uh and and we you know and we write the news stories with the punchline every verse so it'd be like you know Blah, 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 blah. Kobe Bryant rips his Achilles. Okay. Da, 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 da. All right. He's not going to be all right now. All right. You know, and we were just, you know, it was great. And I loved that. That was great. And Wayne was, you know, that's the guy, man. Oh, he's, 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 he's so tough. So, so how did, how, when did your idea of this uh, laugh pack come in? Because you, you play and yeah, you... I was in the comedy game for 20 years but at this point and by 2009. <laughs> and I, I saw the camaraderie was getting lost. Uh, the open middle headliner was turning into this sort of like you're the opener I'm the headliner there wasn't like a camaraderie also I love as a fan of variety there was no variety and the the comedy was even getting uh, like it was like Latino night black night lesbian night and then you know it was like where's funny night how about if you just get a bunch of funny people together because that's the way it was when I came up and And me too I I always said I always hated those nights because they really filtered down the, the, the viewing audience it was Everyone was, you know, in Philadelphia, there was me and Keith Robinson and my friend Steve Thomas and Paul Tompkins and Adam McKay. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. we all went on the same shows. You know, now Paul is, you know, alternative. Adam McKay is, of course, a great director. Great director. Right, right. Pete Keith was African-American. But that we never, we would right. do shows. I would drive Keith to gigs. And it, right. it so didn't make a difference. Hear. Here's the thing. I also felt that those work against a good show. Because if you have a Latino night, Latino comics all have similar premises. Right. Because they're talking about their own, especially good comedians talk about their own life. They have a persona. They're not all the same, but it's similar premises. So if you put all those same people on the same show, you're just dealing with a lot of those same premises. It's not the best variety of show. You know, if you put me and you and Keith Robinson and Paul Tompkins, it's four different comics. So with the Laugh Pack, you get great comedians, and I always mix it up. I'll have Rich Scheidner with Suli McCullough and Kathy Ladman. Right. Boom. You know, Wendy Lehman, Brian Kylie, and Roger Gabler. You know? Hey, people, is, is he pitching his show or is he naming my guest list? Everyone except Roger hasn't been on my show, but everyone else has all been on my show. Oh, oh you haven't had Roger yet? No, I don't know how to get in touch with him. I'll get you in touch with Roger. He's amazing and he's I, an amazing impressionist and amazing history. Yeah. Back in the day, he would do a MTV. He was an MTV half hour comedy hour all the time doing his impressions with like a Hawaiian shirt or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. Uh, nobody does Robin Williams and De Niro and Pesci and Travolta and and uh, Richard Dreyfuss and now he does Charlie Sheen and he's amazing. He's amazing. I actually got him back into the business. He he was not really doing comedy. He was uh, doing all these other things that he's doing, and I invited him to a laugh back show. <coughs> and at intermission, I said, "You ready to do five? He said, "Hell yeah!" And he came up and he did five minutes. It turned into ten. It was good, but it wasn't great because he hadn't been on stage that much. He said, "Can I come back?" I said, "Absolutely." I said, "You still got it. You just got to get those muscles out there." And then he came back and did, did a full set, and he killed it. And he's back in comedy. And actually, somebody saw him. I uh, I brought Jordan Brady on that same show. Jordan Brady saw we just, Roger. We just talked about Jordan. <laughs> Earlier, Sully and me did just talk okay. about Jordan. Jordan saw Roger end up doing a little uh, funny, funnier die video where Roger plays Robert De Niro doing a a fun- fungos commercial, 
And then someone saw that and just gave Roger Cabler uh, a part playing Robert De Niro in the celebrity movie, a real feature film that he actually did. So the Laugh Pack actually um, is, that's exactly what we're about. Like, we do great shows. We have the best comedians. And we have a great time. And the audience sees an amazing show. But we're keeping uh, uh, the passion uh, of comedians that think that there's nothing for them anymore to keep that alive. Like, that's one of my greatest accomplishments. Roger's a perfect example. I brought him back into the business. Now, did because you, of the laugh back. And then now he's doing movies and he's doing stand-up again. See, that's awesome. And it's good. And he's it, great. And he's a great guy and he deserves it. Because I had also, whenever I say your laugh pack, I should say they should do a retro comedy tour and have those people, five of them, like Scheidner and Led, Ladman mm-hmm. and whatever, go on the road. Because it's cause that's, that's, that's what we do. Acts. That's really what we do. I mean, we have, and the laughpack.com is, you can and you see, spell it regular, how do you spell it? The Laugh, L-A-U-G-H, normal, and then Pack, P-A-C-K. The like, Laugh. Yeah, yeah. The, the Laugh Pack. The laugh. Okay. But there's videos up there of our shows. We just put together a couple of vignettes of uh, some of these people that you know and love. And you can see this, you know, the, the whole vibe. We put together some great little sizzles. And, and that's what we do. We take these great comedians that aren't, you know, out there all the time, headlining themselves, a big club, and we put together these great shows. And we're in Thousand Oaks at the Civic Arts Plaza. We're in Theater West, right by Universal. Uh, in, in Los Angeles okay. in the Hollywood Hills you could call it um, we did a show at the Spa Resort Casino in Palm Springs we hope <coughs> to go back there so I mean listen I would love to have a show every weekend with and be able to book people right now we just have a couple spots we do what we can and uh, when the marketplace dictates it when the, when the people demand a, a high quality classy comedy music show then we'll have more gigs and everybody will be working now are all the acts people that you've worked with before yeah. you know, and just old friends absolutely getting, like Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I I have to say I know everybody that I, you know, and it's frustrating sometimes because I can't keep everybody happy. So when once you start booking, comics look at you a different way, and everybody wants to wants to do your show. Everybody wants to work. I get it. I'm a comic, but um, I don't have enough shows right. to, to be able to put people that I don't really know that well because uh, there's so many people that I, I've worked with and I'm friends. I even know forever. You yeah, know, you know for a long yeah. time. I, I wish I had a problem that I needed more people. But now, I don't. how do you find your musical act? First guy we found on Craigslist, put a Craigslist ad out. And what what, would you, what did the ad say? I mean, it's just... It's uh, comedy and music show, looking for Rat Pack type singers. And found this guy from Cleveland named Phil Turk. Uh, Phil's back in Cleveland. He's so talented. He's a great guy. Uh, he, he was my first singer. He came out, he came on an audition one night. And the guy pulled up in a car. Uh, it looked like he was from the 60s. And he walks in. Uh, and within five minutes, he's got a drink and a smoke, and he's a. When am I on? I mean, it, the guy was like a young Bobby Darren, Dean Martin. Okay, amazing. And he went up and he did Sinatra and Bobby Darren and everybody. Bob, even he did Jim Croce. Did, this guy was just great crooner. People loved it. And then I uh, bumped into this girl. I met. I was printing flyers <laughs> at the fly at the flyer place, the printing place for the show. And this girl behind the place, she was like, "I'm a singer." And she, and I go, oh yeah, that's right. I remember you were on American Idol, uh, like the, one of the second seasons. She goes, yeah. She, I said, can you do like Ella Fitzgerald and you know Sinatra stuff? She goes, yeah, I'd love to. Vanessa Bryan, she's doing wonderful now, by the way. She's on some some killer karaoke show that she's a, a coach right. on. Um, Vanessa became my second singer, and then uh, I bumped into this girl that I hadn't seen in years, Allison Coster. Boom, she's in the laugh pack now. She's a great singer. And then someone introduced me to Sonia, Sonia Khan. So I have this group of singers. They sing the classics. They're not old. They're you know young people, but they sing the classics. How long of a set do they do? They usually do four to five songs in a show. Okay. So a typical laugh pack is um, me hosting with three comedians minimum, 
uh, and a singer. And so it's do you sing in between the comics or is it like yeah we sometimes like when we do we do two acts at the at the theater so uh, we do um, we do a bunch of comics and then we have two songs going into intermi- intermission come back do a couple more songs a few more comics and then close it out with a song okay now how did you find how did you find your when you had this idea how did you find your places you put it in at first did you did you have contacts with anyone or you said I'm going to get my show done uh, I actually. Um, was looking for places. I wanted to do like a hotel lounge or uh, or a little spot to start it off. I wanted to not be in a comedy club. I didn't want to just be like the Laugh Pack at Flappers. Or something right, like that. right. I didn't want to become part of everything else. I wanted it to be separate because it was separate. It was a whole different mentality. We never had a drink minimum. We always had free parking. We always had low prices. We always had a great show. We always had food. That was like, the th- I wanted to make it different. I wanted to make it a great night where you go out and you get to eat, drink, and get great entertainment. So, I found the Airtel Plaza Hotel. Where's that? <laughs> in Van Nuys, by the Van Nuys Airport. Okay. That's where the Laugh Pack was born in 2009 in July because they had a lounge that was empty on Saturday nights. And I told them, uh, give me a couple hundred bucks and you can have the bar and the food and I'm going to sell tickets. I'm going to make a classy Vegas show here. And, and uh, the GM went for it. They had nothing else. Right. And, um, and we were there for six months every Saturday night and it picked up quick. Facebook helped me you know blow it out quickly um and it was great and then i got a a, a guy came to see the show they had a restaurant in, in moore park i'd like to have it here so we got a better deal there and we started doing that show and then from there we went to decache and toluca lake for a while and then oh, I, okay, I remember and then, that's where i saw you a posting on facebook you the comp that because i went to decache great place well, yeah but i went when i was uh i used to be um good food a corporate marketing manager for Granville Cafe. And for which one? Granville Cafe. They have one in Burbank and one in... Uh, oh, I heard of that place. Um, I've never been there. One though. in Burbank and one in Glendale. Great, great restaurant. And uh, we, I, w- I went... They had a mix comedy... They had a chamber of commerce mixer at Decache. That's the first time okay. I went into it. Yeah. And yeah, it was beautiful inside. Beautiful place. I turned that into a little uh, rat packy thing. Uh, but we had to do Sunday nights because we had to do it a night that they weren't open normally. And Sunday nights in the Valley is dead. So yeah. after a while, I said, it's too much work every week. I'm getting everyone there. I can't do this. So um, we ended up, um, the shows have always been great. The venues have always been beautiful. The food, everything's been great. The problem is, um, you know, getting people in these spa- areas to come out. You know, right. It's always about the attendance. So to make it work. So... Um, right now, we're, we we stepped it up to theaters. It's a theater type show. That's right. Really well, it, it, sound, yeah. it sounds it. It sounds yeah. like we stepped it up to theaters, and it's good. And I know we're going to have a show uh, in May and in June at Theater West. So uh, hopefully, uh, it's, it's going to be Thursday nights because they have a, a show going on right now uh, on the weekends for the summer. So um, hopefully, we will get you and a guest uh, to come out and be our guest. Yeah, if my dinner, girlfriends in town, show. dinner, drinks, yeah. show, yeah, be a big shot. Town, be a big shot. Be a big, big shot. big shot. You know, we get sponsors. Uh, ooh, you know, be a, we want we want to show you. you I'm, ta- I'm taking her to Wicked. No, I took uh, her. To, I took her to uh, Wicked. Oh, I was awful. Oh, you're a good man though. Uh, so, what are we saying? You get sponsors. We get we get restaurant sponsors now for the uh, Theater West shows. So, California Pizza Kitchen, Chipotle, they bring dinner. Okay. So yeah, we in exchange for uh, a couple things that we do for them, and. Uh, you know, the theater is nonprofit, so we're able to access some funds that some of the corporate chains have, something to put together. Now, and, uh, people what, get to eat. What's drink. your that's what's your uh, goal for this? The lab. What would you if someone said, okay, what is where where do you want this to go? I mean, and you're having fun doing it now, but do you have a grand uh, picture or no? You know what? I, it, I met, people said, you know, this should be a TV show. 
this should be filmed and it should someone be did, look, someone's saying how like there's no more variety shows yeah really. yeah uh, I think this should be a TV show I think uh, I probably you, you've you've woken me up today to to get back on that and speak to some people about that um, yeah it should be a TV show weekly Sunday night laugh pack you know because yeah, we cable. need that we need we need good family entertainment I agree I agree uh, I want to keep it going with the shows I'd like to get more venues and have more shows and more work for everybody and uh, and it should be on TV and if you did get a TV show the live venues will pick up too right oh yeah so now are you, do you still do is that, is that the only time you really do stand up is when you're there or do you have um, I also perform at the Comedy Magic Club okay and as a matter of fact I'm going to be there um, at the end of April and in the beginning of May on the, those uh, 10 comics shows okay I, I saw it's funny when my girlfriend was visiting we saw the plane down in Santa Monica there are comics uh, what are 10 comics for 10 bucks yeah, yeah. oh okay they had a, they had a banner this was wow the they were, it was, I was weird because my roommate in college back east used That's to fly marketing. used to fly the uh that plane that carried the banners. Yeah, they 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 really they do a great job over there, as you know. And so, uh, any more writing for you these days, or what? Uh, I am actually developing that oh, that project. David. Okay, uh, with David as the lead. Um, it's just development, and um, I know Arsenio Hall is doing a new show, and I'd love to write on the show. And I have uh, my agent trying to get me in there. Uh, so I'll just put that out in the universe. And I used people- to, you know, I should have given my first break national television. My first national television spot was uh, in '93. And now Arsenio. Okay. Now, did you notice that that right away? Like people, because a lot of people watched Arsenio. I got asked back. Got asked back. I did a second show. Got asked back for a third, and the show got canceled. Oh man! But did people notice you in the streets after you performed good? Yeah. Back then, it was good times. You know, people would know. I, I, I still, I just have that face. I guess people still remember me from King of Queens and from you know they. I was at Skirball yesterday, and three different people came up to me like, "I know you from." That's funny. Now, you do know? you do you miss the? You don't really act as much anymore, do you? Act? Do you don't really as much, or do you? Um, I like uh, I like producing and and hosting the Laugh Pack shows. Uh, I did do a guest spot on Real Husbands, which was great because it's great when they call you and give you a part and you just go do it. Right. I still read for parts, um, uh, and you know, did a did a few commercials over the years, and um, you know, had a couple of really good ones, really successful ones. That uh, commercials are great. You know, you work and and uh, the the money comes in. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's not brain surgery, shooting commercials. So I'm always going to do that. Uh, and now my two boys, they're nine and six. They're in my music videos that you'll see. They're hilarious. And uh, they're, uh, they're booking commercials. Are they, uh, are they big sports fans? Yes, huge. Boston fans or L.A.? Went to, the, went to Boston uh, the last week in March. Took them to Celtics game. My brother got them in the high-five tunnel, which means the Celtic players come out, and they high-five the players on the floor as they're coming out to start the game. And then they got courtside, which means they got announced – and they ran on the court with the wow. as if they're Celtics. That's at nine and six. That's I, I I've never gotten that. I, 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 I sat in the bleachers at the Flyers game a few weeks ago. It's, I was all in. Uh, there you go. It was awful. But no, they're huge sports fans. Big all my teams. They got Rondo Fathead on the wall. Okay, all and, right. And then we also like the Clippers. That's our second okay, team. So. All right. Okay, sorry. Anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. We covered a lot. I know. That's why we just that's talked. About. That's it. That's no. why you talk. Just give all. Give us some. Do you have a YouTube channel? I do have a YouTube, um, Bruce Fine. And just because then we'll yeah, see Bruce, the... You can see those videos okay. for sure. Um, but you know what? BruceFine.com, it's a one-stop shop because it gives you a link to the Laugh Pack. And uh, all my videos are on the main page. There's some links to those popular Selling ones. Selling anything on there? Uh, yeah, my CD. Okay. Actual size, it's called. Okay, when did you record that? Uh, in at Harris Las Vegas. Okay. Uh back in the day a few years ago that's yeah. cool that's good though. yeah it's a good little season. good well I want to thank you for coming on uh, Twitter any, 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 any people? The, the Laugh Pack The la- uh, you have no Facebook d- there's a Laugh Pack and Twitter the Laugh Pack no Bruce Fine Twitter uh, no I just use the Laugh Pack for it well tweet 
So anyway, but I want to thank you. This is great. Uh, also, people, just you know, if you want to follow me, follow me at Cooper Talk. Also, go to www.coopertalk.net. I have about a hundred and. 50 episodes up and a bunch of the Laugh Pack people are up there so you can go to Laugh Pack show and come home and listen to my show also find some uh, past episodes uh, besides my website you can go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio type in Cooper Talk one word okay because it gets confusing with Anderson Cooper and Talk Show all the same episodes are up there send me an email Cooper at Indie 100 I-N-D-I-E 100 uh Keep getting great guests. Uh, tell me who you want to hear. I'll try to get them on. And next Friday, next Friday, I'll be uh, at the Marlton Comedy Cabaret and right there on uh, Route 70 in Marlton. So anyway, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm as only as hip as my guests. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day.